Yo, 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 everybody. It's your boy, Diggy Fresh in the building. Mr. Monday Night Madness here on another Tuesday. Had to set up an interview a little bit later. That's why I gave you guys a well, couple well drill episodes to listen to yesterday. But here today with my main man, Travis Schuler, owner of Suit Yourself. Uh, this is my guy from my wedding. So, Travis, what's going on, man? Hey, man, how's it going this morning? Doing good, man. Just got, got, got a long day at work today, but just wanted to sh- stop in, do an interview with you, and uh, just give the people um, a sense of the people I'm working with, I'm doing business with, I'm, you know, getting, getting around so that they understand where I'm coming from. Because I think a lot of people that deal with me or I introduce myself to don't understand my background. Mm-hmm. and who I'm working with. And so when I interview guys in my circle or new guys that come into my circle, I want people who I introduce them to to understand, okay, this guy has got some knowledge, he got some experience. And so when I met you through the men's group with James Shad, shout out to Shad, I was like, man, let me see, not only can he help me with my wedding, but how can I expand on his business? Like, get his experience. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank you just for uh, doing this podcast or inviting me on your, yeah. on your podcast yeah. and um, like you said we met at the, the brothers group mm-hmm. and the energy in the group it was great but then the very next day you showed up mm-hmm. um, you know introduced yourself said hey you want to come check the place out you're getting married so that kind of opened up the dialogue with mm-hmm. you and I so yeah. you know, we kind of got got to know you come by quite a few times after that yeah. so um, we had to postpone <laughs> yeah the, 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 you know through some things that uh, family issues as well as I have forgot a prior engagement. So yeah. thank you for, for accommodating mm-hmm. uh, this, yeah. you know, the, um, the, the, you know, the reschedule. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But um, it's a great opportunity. I love to dive into it whenever you get ready. Uh, go ahead, man. Just introduce yourself a little bit. We said, I said you were the owner of Suit Yourself, but just give you a little bit of your journey and uh, people a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, as you uh, of course mentioned, I'm Travis Schuler, uh, Columbia native. Um, went to Spring Valley High School, so... Yeah, SV all day. Uh, all right. <laughs> so it's interesting that I live and work uh, on a business in the same area right down the street. Like five minutes. Like, like literally five minutes. If you drive, it's less than that. It's like 30 seconds. Um, but um, like I said, I'm a graduate of Spring Valley. I went to Midlands Tech. Mm-hmm. I got my got my degree. In- yeah, tell me that. Really? Huh. Yeah, I got my got my degree, and uh, of course, then it was called computer technology, okay. uh, which was their scaled down word of um, computer science. Computer science, because more so, you know, Minnesota Tech is a technical school, mm-hmm. and so all of the prerequisites, you know, your first two years of school, you know, you're going through all of the. I call it character building, mm-hmm. you know, going through your four year college, but yeah. literally first semester, you jump right into your major. Uh, so, um, finished in about three, three and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, opted not to go to a couple of summer schools because, you know, they say it's, it's, it's a two-year program, but that means going from, going all, all year. So, yeah, I took a couple of breaks and realized, hey, if I don't hurry up and, and go, I'm, I'm going to be, it's, it's going to end up being a five-year program. Yeah. But nonetheless, graduated from there, um, went on to work um, in corporate America for a company called PMSC, mm-hmm. which was located in Blythewood, later became CSC, mm-hmm. uh, Computer Science Corporation, which was some big, huge uh, company that would always go around buying up smaller companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, did that for about 10 years, 10, 11 years, then got tired of the whole corporate, <laughs> you know, bull crap. And went to work for state government, which some may say, God, you went from, but it was another opportunity for me to get out and do something a little bit different. So I went to uh, work for the judicial department. Um, and in that, uh, so I did that, and started that in 2006. Started all of a sudden getting into clothing. Okay. So now we get to kind of pushing up to how we got to where we are. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, uh, long story short, we started dibbling, dabbling into more urban wear. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when sneakers became real big. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started, you know, almost like what we would say today, buying and flipping sneakers, but it wasn't called that back then. I don't know what, what we called it. Um, but you would find your little connect and you would basically... Um, buy wholesale. Buy wholesale. 
um, some unauthorized because you know you have to be some some things you have to be a, not necessarily a knockoff but some things you have to be an authorized distributor mm-hmm. um, but we kind of finagle that you. a little bit but it grew into um, getting into more of what I love to do which was dressing because I was a suit and tie guy and I'd be selling to these young kids and they'd be like man you, you got a suit on you just selling me sneakers so it was kind of didn't match up I got you um, so I actually ended up wanting to um, I started selling clothes on the internet so I get asked all the time how'd you go from writing software to selling clothes well I basically took those two industries and I married them because I love technology um, so I actually got into eBay okay so I found I, I would go out and find little niche markets mm-hmm. um and I would go seek out those items. Back then, my niche market was big and tall. Um, so you didn't have, you couldn't walk into uh, Penny's or Macy's and all these guys and buy the clothes for the bigger guys, like the, like the Rockaware from the Rockaware and all those urban brands. Well, what, what happened to those, the overstock of the uh, big and tall would get shipped to like the Marshalls, the TJ Maxx, and I think it was Ross back then. I don't know if Ross existed. Well, I would go and buy that stuff at a, at a much lower price, sell it on eBay for a higher price. How long did you do that for? I did that literally up until two, I probably did it for about three years. Um, okay. And you did that while you were working? I did that while I was working. And I saw one year, I found one niche product. And I'm not going to tell you what my niche product is because I, I think I still use it today. Um, I I don't, because I made a lot of money off. I mean, I made probably that year, I probably made, well, probably double my salary just doing that part-time. Wow. Okay. And I would would get off work, um, because I had this one source that would just constantly say, hey, we got it in, you want it? And I would just, I would go get it. And it literally, I mean, I would get off work. Mm -hmm. I would go home, I would work that, upload all my new inventory that night sometimes, staying up. You know, I'd get off, spend time with the family. Because mm-hmm. um, I am a family man. Gotcha. I got to mention that. I, I have gotcha. a wife and two kids. My boys were small at the time. Yeah. And I would get up and I would work that thing till about 12, 1 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And literally, when I knew my shipment was coming in, um, I would already have the labels pre-printed that night. So, And I work downtown. And I live in Northeast Columbia. I would drive home on my lunch break package up those packages I already had them pre-labeled and take them to the post office when I got off work that was my routine like five days a week man and so it got to the point man I had so much stuff in my house my wife was like bro you got to do something you got to do something with all this stuff I mean I, you know had a room over the garage but it was just so much stuff in the house upstairs it wasn't all over my you know my living space but um, a guy who owned a store locally here said, hey man, I know you're doing your internet thing and I know it's, he said, but you need to try, you need, you need to consider opening up a store. Okay. So it's this place called The Magic Show. Okay. You know, no Hocus Pocus stuff, but it, that's just the name of the event. Okay. The Magic Clothing Show that was in Las Vegas. I never went. Mm-hmm. So when I went, it literally changed my whole perspective on the industry. Um, I booked the trip, flew over there, told my boss I was going out of town because mm-hmm. I'm still working. Okay. And I got out there. I called my wife when I got there and I said, babe, I'm going to the store when I got home. <laughs> was she the, was like, was God, okay. Um, okay. So I was like, I, I'm, so when I literally, I got back home on that Thursday off the plane, went yeah. and found a place that day. The a week later, I signed the lease. Still had a job. Didn't know how I was going to run this thing. Uh, you just kind of went by your gut feeling. I went by my gut feeling. So I literally, I said, well, here's my plan, baby. I'm going to work it from 5 to 9, uh, Wednesday through Saturday. Okay. So that was my intention, to work it five, from, for, for four hours when I got off work. So I, I signed the lease, filled the place out. Took the money. My seed money was from my, you know, from from my side business that I sold on eBay. So that's actually how I got started. Um, that was my seed money to actually get that business open. 
So I didn't, you know. So uh, you just basically got profit and just reinvested it. I basically took that profit and, and put it right back into. I took it to another level. So I actually okay. opened up a store. Mm-hmm. So now we're talking about. So my cousin mm-hmm. uh, owned the landscaping business. He was like, "Hey man, I need something to do in the, in the off months, out of season months for him, which was, you know, um, fall and winter." Yeah. So I was perfect. So I still kept the hours on Wednesday, but he, but I was open, was able to open all day, and I was running on Saturday. So I would come by after work, of course. But we, so because I didn't, I was able to open all day. We closed at six o'clock. Ah, okay. So now we get to the spring months. He's he's got to go back to work. A lady that I knew that I met was a seamstress. She ended up needing a job, so then she took over. And then it got to the point uh, where I would be at work mm-hmm. and I would be getting phone calls because I still had my online business from customers on the phone, trying to be a manager on my job, trying to manage and run my company on my job. I guess. So I, I opened up my doors in 2009 to the summer, early fall of 2010. I went to my wife and I said, Man, this thing has gotten out of hand. Right. Like, as far as the business has grown. Yeah. Not, no, you know, not astronomically, but it was calling, it was, I couldn't. It was taking up too much of your work time. It was taking too much of my work time. So eventually, I told her I had to make a decision, either to stop it or quit my job. Okay. So, I mean, which in in some, well, a lot of situations, that's a good choice, you know, being to decide, hey, man, the business is growing. Now I need to make the decision on whether I need to quit my job. Mm -hmm. Or go for, or, or stop the business because I can't I can't take care of the two because what's gonna happen is I'm end up getting fired on my job for for not being focused because mm-hmm. I'd be at work and I wouldn't focus because I would, I would yeah, like, oh, I'm yeah, getting I phone, phone calls. calls I'm having to step out of my cubicle and go outside and yeah. my managers knew they didn't know I owned the business they just figured something was going on because you know every hour he's getting up going outside with his phone yeah, rings. <laughs> Had you on the leash, huh? Well, I think because we were in a very, I mean, we like weren't we weren't supervised. As long as you're getting your work done, nobody's going. But I said eventually something, something's going to give when they keep you know noticing that I'm getting up. I got you. So my wife said, she said, look, I'm not changing my lifestyle for you to fulfill your passion. So if you can do this without asking me to sell my house and we're going to drive one car and carpool to work, I'm all for it. But... I'm so, I'm so I support you 100 percent as long as I don't have to change my lifestyle, which in my in my opinion was a fair assessment. Okay, because I mean you hear you a don't, lot. You, you don't what you, you, you what were you about to say? You hear a, like you hear the other side of the story where the couple usually get sacrificed almost everything. They've got no credit cards. They've had they had to you know not go. They can't eat out like they used to. Go out like they used to. So to hear your wife say, "Hey, I'm not giving up nothing," man, look, was like different. I mean, because you think I got married in 2001. Okay. Right? I about to say 2010, but that's when I quit my job. So I got married in 2001. So I've been married for nine years. I got an eight-year-old, I got a seven-year-old, and a five-year-old son. Mm-hmm. So that's not the time. In, in, in her, you know, in fairness, it's not fair for me to say, babe, I want to I I go own a business. I want to quit my job, and we got to sell a house, and... Okay. <laughs> You're right. That's most people will say, hey, I won't. And so when I talked with my banker and I said, listen, I'm getting ready to kind of go. So she was like, because yeah. I, I, I was bootstrapping. Even, I mean, even though I had seed money to invest, it still takes credit, mm-hmm. you know, to run your business, whether it's being buying inventory and so on and so forth. Um, anybody who says that they can run a business without some form of business loans and Credit. And credit, you're gonna struggle. Yeah. I mean, because you, I've learned you're gonna have dips, and, and you, sometimes you need that credit line to kind of sustain. To give it, whether well, it may be to buy some machinery, some equipment, some furniture, outfit the place, so on and so forth. Um, so I had to kind of, I, 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 for lack of a better word, bootstrap it on my personal side. So I was always using my personal credit card, and my bank actually, I walked in there one day, and she says. Um, you never thought about getting a business credit card. So that was, they actually gave me my first business credit card, mm-hmm. uh, which was, was my credit union. And I'm still loyal to them today because they were the first ones to give me my line of credit and my credit card. Nice. Uh, so a lot of business, you know, a lot of banks try to 
you know, banks are competing for, for people. Hey, bring your money over here. Hey, start doing business with me. But I said, how I have a sense of loyalty because they were the first ones mm-hmm. to really give me an opportunity when others told me no. Mm-hmm. Um, so she told me this one thing which I tell a lot of business owners today or people who are thinking about going into business. Mm-hmm. She says, you were smart. She said, you bootstrapped on your job meaning you had your job and you opened up your business concurrently and then you allowed your business to overtake, you know, you actually quitting your job. Some people, husband and wife, both of them quit their jobs to follow this big passion Mm -hmm. and it tanks them financially, Mm -hmm. you know, because you got to have some source of income coming in. My wife is a school teacher. Mm -hmm. So... What I did was, you know, before I decided to quit, I could select a better word, go cold turkey and just jump out there. What I decided to do was, what was the minimum amount of money that I could, that I can live on and provide for my family? Okay. Um, there was no extra, so to speak, but at least starting out, I set that number, and that's what my monthly. So I guess put all your put all your bills in the pot in in the center of the table and add them all up. And that's basically what I paid myself to say, hey, this is the minimum amount of money that I need to make a month in order to still be able to provide for my family while trying to build this business. Um, the fortunate thing is my wife, you know, a school teacher, so I was able to hop off my insurance and hop on hers. So that's one of the good things about it. I got you. Okay, cool. Well, you, get, you covered the first Probably three questions, <laughs> which is good. And I know people, you know, they they don't want to hear me. They want to hear, you know, the guests come on and right. talk. So that's good that you went ahead and kind of gave your story. But why, like, the one question is, is, and I know people want to know, why did you make the switch? Because I heard you say that, you know, you didn't like it. But most people, 85% of people these days don't like their job. And but they still stay. Right. So why, like, what was your why when you said, hey, I, got, I can't do this anymore? Well, <clears throat> my dad is 66, right? So my dad's from the old school. Mm-hmm. So growing up, I've always heard my dad say, you don't go to a job to like it. You go to a job to make money. Mm-hmm. Well, I found out that was a lie. <laughs> Just being direct. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's, that sounds harsh, but we have, we were, I think that's what was told to him. You go to a job to provide for your family. Mm-hmm. But... <clears throat> Going back to when I worked at CSC, I was a software developer, and you had projects and deadlines and so on and so forth. Um, sometime I would go to work not knowing when I was going to go home, mm-hmm. and I, that's a terrible feeling. You know, when your son is small, you're having to call home, "Hey, babe, I'm I'm not I got to work late tonight. I'm not coming home," and then you that goes on for that's week yeah. weekend and week out and. Your, your son gets on the phone and says, Dad, when, Dad, when you coming home? In that little baby voice, you start to put things into perspective, but you got to provide for your family. Mm-hmm. So it got to a place to, when I, like I said, it, it, this business started calling my decision. I mean, started calling my name. And so I analyzed and said, look, I looked at back, back in the mid to, you know, 2010, that's when, well, between 2005 Going forward, that's when they started using a lot of offshore resources. So we started talking about, you know, hiring the folks from India, the folks from China, who by their standards, they can live off of a third of what we make because they're not, they're impoverished over there. So when when corporations found out, I can get a three for one in so many words, they started cutting pay or you know, not being as aggressive with or or as willing to to keep the resources that they have on, you know, so in the yeah. U.S. Because they can get, I don't mean it like it sounds, but I can get a guy from India a whole lot cheaper than I can get a guy here in the U.S. And I mean, still do that today. To still, and still do that today. I mean, you know, you're talking about anywhere from, you know, a job that would be 60000 $70,000. they are paying him thirteen, fourteen thousand. Like you'll pay like for like a, a call center. Mm-hmm. Like people that we hear on the call center now, some of them like some big companies they don't have them, but some of the smaller, mid-sized ones, you'll hear somebody that has an Indian accent 
and I found out online you pay them probably two or three dollars an hour. Yes. And I was like, y'all can live like that. I, I so I guess I'm kind of, kind of a little hypocrite. Okay. <laughs> I'm prefacing it with that. So like my website, I off on my website I send I outsource. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the term we outsource the work. So I outsourced it to a guy in Singapore. Mm-hmm. I think he's in Singapore. Mm-hmm. He charges me to edit my image of dollar an image. And I'll send him 300 images. So you get a lot of work done. So now, when you start talking about when I when I actually, would, when I put the bid out, because I did it on Upworks, mm-hmm. you know, I put the bid out and the bid, you know, you start looking, you know, at the U.S. guys for image editing, it was anywhere from 35 to $75 an hour. They really trying to make it big. So now you're taking, the guy would take a full day. So you talk about eight hours. Let's just estimate 10 hours to do 300 images. Because mm-hmm. it's a lot of work, you know, to, to, to remove the background, put shadows, and I'll get him to put some type of effect on it. Back then, before we had this thing, we had this thing called ghosting images. Mm-hmm. So you, you you look online now, they're not using models there. You just see almost like the image, the clothes with no body in it. Mm-hmm. Well, before they came out with certain mannequins, people used to manually have to do that. And so that one image can take an hour. Oh man! In so many words, you get what I'm saying to make it look like literally just the clothing, just the clothing that's just sitting there. So you start taking three hundred images. Three hundred images time. So you figure that's... ten hours at seventy. So you're paying seven hundred and fifty to three hundred dollars. So I would ask this guy. I just asked him. We're real good friends now. I mean, guy. I mean, we talk. You know, through um, instant message. But he's like, I got a team of people that we got concurrent projects going on. Oh, so really, like he has a lot so of business. So it's his volume, right? Yeah. So he may have a, a, a team of 20 people and he's just feeding the work to them. Versus having just one guy. Right, but still, a dollar an image. Somebody's editing that image. Yeah. So somebody's making a dollar an hour or he's splitting the, say, so, hey, we're splitting the profits 50-50. Mm-hmm. I'll get, I, I be the project manager over the whole thing. Will split. I don't know how he, how from a conversation perspective, but you know, when you start talking about people's livelihoods in corporate America, so I got to a place to where I had to make a decision, and I just I analyzed my life and says over the over my ten year span, uh, from to, from from, well, so I I did I was a software developer for seventeen years. Okay. So if you take. I said in the last 10 years going backwards because I analyzed all of this before I decided to quit. Mm-hmm. My salary in a 10-year span increased by $10,000. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about $1,000 a year. I wasn't even keeping up with the rate of inflation. Oh, man. Yeah, that's right. If you, if you analyze, So I broke it all down to those numbers. When I mean, I just didn't say, I'm up and I'm quitting. I'm out of here. I literally analyzed everything. So I told my, numbers got my, my Right. My numbers got. So I told my wife, babe, I can, I can do better all by myself out here. I mean, I can, I can build something better than I'm, if I go another ten years. And I and I was working for state government, so you know the rule for state government is. So I was I basically started over when I left corporate America and went to. So I, in 2006, I started over. So now you fast forward. Did you were you at the bottom? No, I didn't start at the bottom. Okay. But I was doing when I quit. I was doing the job of three different guys but I wasn't making in corporate America no and you talking about when I quit or yeah when you quit well when I quit my money wasn't adding up because you were doing more work I was doing more I was doing the work of three people mm-hmm. and that's one of the things about sometimes being the minority guy in the in the department or in mm-hmm. the company you know you're gonna always be that guy who's not always I'm not saying sometimes you're gonna be that guy who's not gonna get the promotion that he deserves um, it got to a point to where not that I was being forced to stay at work, but your workload required you. Because if you, you know, in, in IT, if you got a deadline or any job, if you got a deadline and you're a salary employee, you got to do what it takes to get that, get that, pro- get your part of the project finished. Mm-hmm. So I was doing the job of three different people. 
not not three people on the same type of project, but three different projects. And they so would not different right. different aspects of I had to, so I had to but right. So I had to, one other responsibility I had to go to training in Boston to do and I was the only guy in the area in the whole department that knew how to do it. I actually actually go to training. First of all, they threw me to the wolves and had me learn to try to learn it on my own. And I was like, I gotta go get some some kind of formal training to do this. So I went and got training on it. So that gave me a little one up, but they didn't look at it that way. Um, so interestingly enough, when I decided to throw in the towel, so to speak, um, I was like, I'm out. Uh, when I first said I was gonna do it, I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> because we get to the point to where, you know, in, when you own your own business, you have to get it. Yeah. So if, so if you're not looking for a check every two weeks. You got you you you're reconditioning yourself after you've condition, right. been conditioned that, for twenty years. That is a mental yeah shift. Shift. You know to say every I go to work. Mm-hmm. I mean you got to work of course, but when you go on somebody's job and you, or you have a you have a career. There's an expectation. Every two weeks, well every two weeks you know that direct deposit is. There's an expectation. Right, but when you come to work for yourself, you're not getting direct deposit every two weeks. Yeah. So you're a little nervous. You're a little nervous, <laughs> man. That's an understatement. I went and I was a wreck. Started having anxiety attacks and stressed out. Because you're thinking about, okay, I'm about to, everything's about to come on my shoulders. So now I'm a provider for my family. You know, I got a house. Cars. I got cars. I got two kids. Mm -hmm. Got a wife who has an expectation that says I'm not giving up. Lowering my lifestyle. And she, it wasn't selfish. Yeah. But it wasn't an unselfish request. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because we build something. Yeah. And then we don't say, okay, we're going to go back. Yeah, I got you. You know, um, but she has been 100% supportive through the, uh, just celebrating my 10-year anniversary in business this past November. Congratulations. So, appreciate it. So, I was a wreck. I went and talked to my mom, and she was like, son, and I, I still use this advice to this day, because times still get hard. It's not easy in business, you know, where you're going from making money to making no money having to make a decision of whether you're going to pay yourself this week or this month or this quarter. Those are decisions you have to make as a business owner. But she said to me, and I use this, I think about this every time to kind of get me through. I said, Mom, I don't know. You know, I went and talked with her. She says, look, son, um, you're going to have anxiety in the good days and the bad. Mm-hmm. She said, you're going to be making so much money, it's going to be scary. You're going to be making no money that is going to be scary. She said, you just got to learn how to balance the highs with the lows because it all averages out. Wow. And so, so, I mean, I use that I use that to this day because it gets to some quarters. Man, I'm making money. I'm like, man, then we get to some quarters, we're making nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people think we make money during Christmas. That's not a men's boutique season because in the age of electronics and phones and watches that's what men want now they don't want shoes shoes you know they don't want clothing you know unless he's just a clothes connoisseur but the average guy today wants a tv he wants so he's not you know so that's not our core mm-hmm. um but so I, that's that's the advice I, I i i take okay and if i was to give anybody any advice that's what hey this is just you have good time and you have bad just gotta learn to balance them out I guess that kind of did answer the question. But I just want to ask it to see if there's anything else you wanted okay. to kind of give to the people. It was like when you when you make that when you made the switch, and for people who are making the switch, like myself in a year or two, or you know months down the road or a year or two, what advice can you give them to make that quote unquote smooth transition for them? Oh man, I don't know if there's anything we call a smooth transition. I would say definitely plan, because what it goes back to. I guess I kind of got off. I didn't get off, but it kind of led up to what when I when I was a nervous wreck. Mm-hmm. I had I was going to I was my my date was was fall of 2010 mm-hmm. when I made when I had the epiphany that I needed. I'm ready to do this. I'm okay. ready to quit. Gotcha. I mentally wasn't ready. It has to be a mental. Mm-hmm. You have to mentally be prepared. So I was a wreck. Couldn't eat. Couldn't sleep. But because it's something that I really, really wanted to do, but you're thinking about all the time. You're thinking about I'm getting paid every two weeks, guaranteed. If I go to work, I'm getting paid. Mm-hmm. That's 
I come to work in my own business. I come to work every day. There's no guarantee that you're going to get paid. Mm-hmm. You work a job, you go to work. That's by law, they're supposed to pay you, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I had to mentally prepare myself, go through, set goals, write them down. You got to remove yourself. I didn't tell anybody. Only people who knew about it was my mom and, you and my wife. I think that's the big thing, too, is a lot of us. Nowadays, with social media and everything, you see so many people flaunt their wealth and their riches. And understandably, you work for them, yeah. which is great. But my thing is, is you have so much energy that is coming out of people looking at that and saying, okay, hey, I hope you feel like, you know, you got lucky or whatever, whatever, whatever. You see that and you read it and you internalize it, even though you say, right now, I don't read, I don't read the paper. But you know what? I've learned just through even people that I personally know who I see them out there. And this isn't no pawn on anybody or nobody. But I always say that whole social media thing is a facade. It's a mess. That's why in my business, I should should be sociable. Mm -hmm. Um, But some things I keep private. Mm -hmm. I don't talk about, I'm not saying I have money, but I'm not flaunting a car. I'm not flaunting a house. You're just a regular. I'm just a regular. Right. I mean, I'm just a guy who I don't want to. I don't want to give the perception because I have hard. We we fall on hard times. You know, the normal person. You know, because success isn't driven by the materialistic things of what we. It's all like I'm a long term guy. Yeah, of course. I got in. I didn't get in business to be to be filthy rich and wealthy. It's long term for me. So if I can, if I can do certain things along my journey of my 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 quest to quit my job, and, and that 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 led to really one of the reasons why that I really quit that I that I quit my job. So the whole it's a front. I'm get 90, 95. I'm gonna say ninety five. It's probably ninety nine. People are fronting. I got people that I personally know. It ain't nobody that I'm close to. But you you have conversations with them and. I said, you know, your story isn't matching what you're saying. Okay. I look at what you're doing on it, and I have to tell some of my closest friends, hey, man, let's tone it down. You know, tone it down with the perception of what you're giving people. Mm -hmm. Because I'll go back to my best friend from high school. Mm -hmm. We both grew up in in homes. I would would say that we we grew up equal when it came to values and standards in our homes. Gotcha, gotcha. Um... When we got older, he decided to take a different path. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is back in the day when we used to go to the clubs and you know some of the old school clubs. I ain't gonna call them names. That was Fountain Blues. Some of them, some of them old school because we. But that's back when it. they used to have college night. We, we were in our early twenties. Okay. Um, and they used to have this thing called popping bottles, where guys would walk around the club with champagne, sipping on champagne with straws. That was the big thing, and so my friend, and that was a that was a symbol of status for 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 for, for people. If the, yeah, you know, all in the name of getting a female, and you know, because she thought you quote unquote had money. Gotcha. And so he couldn't maintain that lifestyle, so he started doing things that was unethical. Mm-hmm. You know, and so he took that wrong path because all in the name of fronting. Okay. To keep up an image. So sometimes when we try to get that perception because we don't want to show uh, social media or whomever that we crashed. Mm-hmm. See, I can have a bad moment and people bother me. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's just the season. Yeah. But if I had, I don't have, a, I'm not, I don't have an image that I'm trying to keep up with. Man, a good example would be, you know, the, you know, Howard's late Kobe. I mean, wealthy gentleman. I mean, had his own. Helicopter. Right. I've never seen him on social media say, hey, man, I got a helicopter. LeBron, for the most part, flaunts his success only. Well, the media does. Right. But he flaunts the school, the show that he has on the shop, on HBO, because that not only provides financial value to him, right. but it provides value to the people watching or to the kids in Ohio that he's trying to serve with mm-hmm. families. And so for me, my thing for the smooth transition for me was just having a why up front. Um, and my why has shifted once, but I think the big thing was just 
having my passion and going for it every day. This is what I love doing. I mean, I got up early this morning, cooked breakfast real quick, and made, bre- made breakfast, ate, got dressed real fast, and shot up here. Even though if you weren't going to make it or if you forgot, hey, I did my job. Absolutely. And then if somebody, you know, somebody will give me a call and say, hey, Doug, I listen to the podcast. Can I get on? There's a few people I know that want to get on badly. I just right. don't have the time now. Absolutely. So for me, it's just like, okay, I want to do this. So just getting up and going to do it every day, even though I don't. I have sponsorships. So I'm like 40 cents. I don't even care about the money necessarily. Right. I just like, I just want to get on the mic so bad every day. And I do notes every day or now. It's, so I'm busy. I got to get it every couple of days. But I get on because it's a passion about it. Right. But let me let me finish up because I still didn't answer your question. Go ahead, go ahead. About the smooth transition. Go ahead. It was mentally being focused, mm-hmm. having a, having a long term. My smoke. Once I realized my why, kind of like what you mentioned a few few like a minute or so ago, my why was okay, and it helped me um, make that smooth. Because like I told you in the beginning, I was a nervous wreck when I was initially going to do it. When I settled myself, and I, I, I mentioned. Don't tell him. You can't tell everybody. Gotcha. Because uh, I mentioned it to a few people. And, well, when I've already made the decision to do it. Mm-hmm. When I made the decision, it was too, it was no going back. Mm-hmm. And I got, man, you're going to quit that good state job? <laughs> they got benefits. They got this. Or, are you sure you want? So you really have to reserve yourself from those because you can't have any, any negative energy. Because the smallest little bit of negative energy can change your whole. Can make you make a it, move. That it you... can make you make a move or to say, "Hey, do I really want to do this?" So I really, it was two people, my mom and my wife. Those are the only two. And my and my, of course, my sons were too small to understand, but they knew. Okay. When I made the decision to do it, mm-hmm. it was no turning back. And I set a date, um, which was I'll never forget that day. It was March 11, 2011. I made matter of fact the crazy thing is my vision board you know talk about vision boards and I still got that thing from way back when it's in my garage some of the stuff is peeled off but when I pull in my garage that same vision board was on is is up on my mm-hmm. you know plastered in my garage and while I haven't fulfilled everything on that vision board I got a couple of items I got a few items that I did check off the main one was quitting that job and I actually have 310 2011. I turned in my resignation 311 2011. And when I turned in my resignation, I met with my manager. And you know what he said to me? I know what's coming. Well, you know we can't offer you any more money to stay. Oh, man. I said, okay. Let me get you to understand something. If you offer me 100 grand more, I'm out. Because it was already a decision that was made at that point. And when you when you take an offer, when somebody offers you, this is my perception, I don't know about anybody else, then you become their slave. Mm-hmm. If somebody offers you more money to stay, mm-hmm. then now they own you. And I've they seen own it. your mind. Right. I've mm-hmm. seen it happen. When, they, when you tick them off, and they, they're going to look for the opportunity, and they're going to boot you out. When, when money, when they got a layoff... You're pretty much high on that list, so they're looking for that opportunity. My to lady get... is going through that right now. Yeah, she's um, she, she's kind of played it, like she's got another job coming. Right. She told her manager, and her manager says, "Hey, what they'll do is that not her, but everybody else has kind of you know said, hey, 'Hey, I'm out.' What they'll do is they turn their two, their two, you know, two weeks notice. Mm-hmm. They'll walk them out as soon as they sit. As soon as, as soon as the manager sees it or the upper management sees it, the executive sees it." They go grab security and walk them wow. out. And then they'll pay them that what that week they worked. They told Takiya, and Takiya's been there for what, two years? Mm-hmm. She ain't got much longer. And I support her fully. She said, her manager told her, she said, You've been here for, you know, through all the trials and all the good. What you what we're gonna do is make sure you work your two weeks. I will make sure you work your two weeks. And before that, she would get kind of not blasted, but you know, a little, mm-hmm. little nudge here and there. And I was like, they see more value in you now that you're gone, right? And they don't know what they lost. They don't know what they lost. Here's the interesting thing: when I had to do my little cross training, mm-hmm. uh, well, 
that day when I was floating. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't even hear. People they, they heard about it, but people was like, Man, I heard you go in. I heard you turn on. They was like, Man, you got this glow on your face. I'm like, man, you just don't realize I feel free. Mm-hmm. And that was that was probably the confirmation that I needed within myself to say when I turned this thing, I was excited to go to work today to turn in my resignation. <laughs> I've never felt like that before. Outside of, of course, getting married, children, and but on the on the career side, I was like on cloud nine. And so one of the judges, I had to go had to go meet one of the judges with, because um, I, I wrote the jury package, you know, the, the pools of juries uh, for for the state of South Carolina. So I I didn't write it from scratch, but I took it over and enhanced it. Um, so when I went to talk with the guy, and I used to, I got to the point to where I started to having I had to look the part. So I was, you know, when I owned the store, I had to, you know, I used to, I was coming to work. My first day on the job, I was suited up, and my my super was like, "Look, man, you're making me look bad. Don't come to work like that anymore." So I conformed to khakis and polo shirt. That became my norm till I got back in, till I got into business, and I started coming to work with super tie. So my my um my manager said, "Well, I went to meet one of the judges, and he was like, man." I thought it was something. I knew you had to own something. Because, of course, the cat was out of the bag at that point. Gotcha. Um, but, the, but the little whispers in the company was like, because mm-hmm. I, t- I didn't tell them what I was going to do. I said, man, you know what? I'm going to take my chance out here on my own. I'm going I'm to I'm start freelancing. They didn't even tell them I was had a, I had enough business. But the chatter started talking. What is he going to do? His wife ain't nothing but a teacher. How's he gonna make it out there on his own? Dang, bro. Yeah. So that's the haters. And if okay. one of my coworkers finally said, Y'all just don't know, dude. Man, Travis has had a business for the last two years that he built. And he has a... And, of course, then they went from the curiosity to they were pissed off. So now you start to mention, no one, I remember him getting up. He was like, I knew he had something going on because he would get up from his desk every so often to take a phone call. So now the chatter started talking. But but nonetheless, that transition was, was, was so smooth. Um, but... The reason why I did it is because, I, like I said, I'm a long-term banker, mm-hmm. and I wanted to leave my boys a legacy, mm-hmm. and I can't perform that legacy. I got you. Pour it into someone else's, mm-hmm. you know, pocket. Yeah. Pocket. I got you. And, and there, you know, nothing wrong with that. It's just I always tell people, have your own on the side. I tell us, big, ride, big enough, right? And so, um, I have a saying. I, I, I stole it from someone. I can't remember who said it, but. It says, what happened is my career actually became my side hustle. Ah, because someone I get asked all the time, this probably should be at the end, but nonetheless, how'd you, how'd you um, switch? I mean, man, you went to school because people treated it like it was a waste. Mm-hmm. I went to school, you know, went and learned you know, software development for 17 years, and you gave all that up to do this. I said, well, that, uh, that afforded me to be able to provide to my family until I can perform the passion that I was yeah, yeah. so so my passion became mm-hmm. my you know became my, my main yeah. and my, my what I went to school for helped to me help fund me I got you um, a couple of things on top of just having that why because we only got about 15 minutes mm-hmm. so, um, a passion that's profitable obviously clothes have never gone out of style like real estate is not going out of style right um, technology is not going out of style so you've gotten into an industry that is proliferating even though it's a store it's your own store you got Target over here Ross you got Sandhills over there you still got into an industry and that still makes money and it's unique because I don't see none of this right. <laughs> I was like none of this Italian stuff at Mason mm-hmm. uh, business plan obviously you planned out uh, social media plan like you said you're not really you weren't that social but nowadays most businesses yeah they require some sort of plan for social media to integrate into their business but I know you do have one of course um patience <laughs> that's an understatement yeah <laughs> my grandfather we were in New York for my brother's uh, wedding and it was six of us in an Airbnb and it was big enough for all of us but I slept on an air mattress the next morning I got up and my grandparents were downstairs waiting to get our suit and our tuxes and everything and I was putting up this king size air mattress and I sat and struggled with it for about 30 minutes and uh, my 
my grandfather, he was watching me, and I didn't know he was watching, I was just putting it together. He said, you know, Doug, you're the most patient youth I know. You spent almost 45 minutes trying to put this thing back into its sleeve. Most people would have given up after 10. And that let me know kind of deep down, I still use it, and this was months, this was months ago, that I may not be the quickest out of the start gate, but I will beat you in that race. And so, for most people, I think the patience thing is overstated so much is because they don't, that's the one thing they don't plan for, is that the journey, you gotta enjoy the journey as well, not just the outcome. Right. Uh, and mentorship. Obviously, you wouldn't have gotten into business unless, into the store unless somebody said, hey, you need to get into a store. Right. And so, for me, like yourself, I come to you, I come to, you know, a lot of guys that I can have conversation with and say, Hey, I got this going on. What do you think? Or like with the with the tux thing, you said, "Hey, we I can't find this color, but we got this pattern that has that color in it." So I was like, "Okay, we can do that." And so for most people, I think hey, I'm gonna get on my own. I'm gonna just get on my own. And I, the thing I the thing I think most people don't understand they understand is that mentorship will get you way further than you trying to go at it on your own. Right? Because there's somebody out here that's made it. Probably put it in a book for you. They put it on a course, a seminar for you that you can just learn it and just apply it. And it's so easy now. And sometimes I even struggle with how easy it is now because back in the day, it was a Rolodex and some phone calls. That's right. And I know that could be very hard. <laughs> it's hard now to get on the phone. So, uh, one question I did want to ask um, what are some business principles that you go by as an entrepreneur and why do you go by them? And what do new business owners use? What principles do you think they need to uh, guide them along their way? So what principles have you gone by? One of my main principles, um, I, I real, you know, when I, when I first, my first day, mm-hmm. after when I started, when I quit, my first day in the store, I'm looking, I'm like, okay. Looking around, because mind you, I was, I didn't work my store only, I only worked my store on Saturdays for a year and a half, mm-hmm. almost two years. And now this is my first time in my store on the first day that I'm looking around like, man, I feel like a stranger in my store. Because mm-hmm. I didn't know the, the day-to-day operate other than the processes that I put in place. Um, and I sat and I said, man, I'm a, and I'm a very... I'm not a religious guy. Okay. But I'm, a, I'm a spiritual guy. You know, there's a difference. Mm-hmm. So I says, man, how? So I went Googling, looking for books on how to run your business. You know, good principles. And I couldn't find it. <laughs> couldn't find it. Okay. We could talk about processes and things that you should do to make your business quote unquote successful, but the core mm-hmm. of your business is internal within yourself. Repeat, that, you, repeat that one more time for the people. I said the the core of your business is internal, which is within you. It's not the it's not the external process. It's not the external process. You can put we can put processes all in, you know, when the customer comes in, we do this, blah, 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 you know, this, that, and third. Yeah. But it starts with the how you are as a person. Because mm-hmm. if I'm a crook, I'm a crook. Um, and that's going to, people eventually going to figure me out, especially in the age of social media. People can go and blast and, and, and kill you instantly. But it's it's your internal principles on how you run your business. And it goes back to principles that we learned, you know, from our parents in church. And, you know, so it, it, one guy says there's no book out there. There ain't but one book. So if, for, you know, improper English. There's only one book. And we start talking about biblical principles. So let's not look at religious side of it, but let's just so treat others how you, you want to be treated. treated. The core, the core of what makes you a good person. Golden rule. Just the golden rule. You know, you always make you you always fix things and you make it right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it costs you financially, but you're gonna have errors that you're gonna have to correct. Gotcha. Um, and you just basically you just do right by people. If I can use that. You know, I don't have to go through this whole 10 item list. That's the one because principles are 
you know, if I take a tree and I plant it on good ground, by nature and the principle, it's going to do what it's supposed to do. It's going to grow. It's going. But if I take a tree and put it out here on concrete, mm-hmm. it's going to die. It's not going to last. <laughs> it's not going to get the nutrients that it needs. So my my business is that tree. I got you. You know, it's going. You know, no matter through the storms. So I've had situations where, I, and I tell people I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm human. I'm going to make errors. I'm not going to do what I'm supposed to do all the time just by virtue of you being human. I'm being human. And that's what has saved me a lot. Mm-hmm. Everybody don't have a good experience when they come in. It's not because I treated them bad. My customer service was horrible. You know, that's the number one thing that I think should be on the top is customer service. Now, I had to get into it with some customers. Because, you know, you get people that say, the customer's always right. That's kind of and I firm and I immediately correct them. Not true. You're not always right. Just because you decide that you, you chose me. And I appreciate that. But the moment you came through that threshold, everything you do doesn't make you right. You got some responsibility that you're going to have to. And you come to an expert in said right. industry. Right. Now, the errors that we fall short that, that we you fall short correct. on as a company, I'm going to correct. Gotcha. But you first have to accept that you play, mm-hmm. you know, a part of this. Gotcha. And so we have to not be hostage to the consumer. I got you. I got you. Okay, um, not in a negative way, but because you do get people that feel that way. And then most people, I've had a situation, case in point, I'll say this in 30 seconds. I messed up terribly. Went to make the correction and messed, messed up the second time. Mm-hmm. Went to the went to the to the to the mom. This was during prom season. Went to the mom and just laid it out. Ma'am, I made a mistake twice. But here's what I'm gonna do to solve it. And she said, the only reason why I'm accommodating you is because you're a genuinely nice guy. I could have been a butthole <laughs> and says, ma'am, I messed up. I'm sorry. Ain't nothing I can do. Here's your money back. Giving people their money back isn't always the solution. Mm-hmm. Or giving them something free. Okay. It's it's how you how you come off as a person I got you. as to what they're going to do in terms of leaving you a, a review or accommodating mm-hmm. what, 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 you know making making their their, their wrong right I got you uh, for me some of the principles I've learned just in being in business and mentorship the mentorship has really got me far beyond any of the education I can give myself but building a business with uh, a PMA a positive mindset mental or positive mental attitude another Daisy said you can pay yourself as you said, I, I would look and say, Man, I still got a store. It's profitable. Right. Most of the time, I just couldn't give myself something this time. And now that my, my lady's in business by myself, I have to let obviously correct her on her mistakes. Not say correct her on mistakes, but correct her on her mindset is that you're going to have these days where you're going to go to work, come home, do something for your business, and you just don't get it maybe because you were so focused at work because of transition. But remember, you still got a business. You still got a job that you appreciate. That's it. Uh, understand, uh, this, the, it, the new venture should not be a job. No. This is not a job for you. No. You don't get up and say, man, I got to go into the store. Again. My lady, she don't. Same, she's like, I get, she's like, hey, I'm ready to get on the computer. Can you help me? I'm like, yeah, sure. No problem. Me, same thing. Um, go out and prospect or I go out and I'm meeting people. Like, somebody might be able to get on the podcast easy or for most people I think they just think well I'm going to go side hustle this thing of death and there's so many side hustles these days that are just jobs and that's where people it's so easy to get right to say well I get paid on Sunday for this thing if they do another side hustle say hey every Sunday I get paid well it's just another job for you right you don't understand what a real entrepreneurship is until you don't get paid. Until you don't get paid. You got to read countless hours. You got to go out and do all this training. X, Y, and Z. And I think that's where most people mess up. Mm-hmm. Um, educating yourself. Doing business with patience again. Um, becoming a dominant force in the industry. Most people, they play it too small. And they don't understand that they can have a bigger piece of I know that I deserve to live in a house that I want to live in, and I'm gonna work hard. I've worked harder than most people. I got two master's degrees. 
Nobody else besides my man Patrick in my circle has that. So that means I've gone out and done more. I've set a goal high enough that the outcome should be pretty substantial and or equal to it. So for myself, a mansion is probably, there's no issue. It's like another house in my head. Now, most people think, well, yeah, you mansion's big. Yes, it's big. But people have put in tons of work to get there. They think, they see the mansion, they think, well, he, you know, and they, you don't see the experience. You don't see everything that's going on for that person to yep. do it. So for you to have this shop, I cannot judge you for your customer service because I don't, I didn't, you gone to Vegas, you go to Vegas to get this stuff. Right. So when I put it on, I'm like, I got some nice stuff on it. Right. And that's one of the other things a lot of people don't look at, you know. Here we got five minutes. They don't look at the all that goes into somebody's what they do. Mm-hmm. All of I spend countless hours uh, researching, finding out what's the next, what's the next. Big trend. They yeah. come to me. Hey man, what's new? The, cons- the person comes to me, so they're looking for me. I get people at the last minute want me to do all the, re- the market research for their event. You know, see Pinterest is easy. They come say, hey, can you get this? But I have to go find it. Mm-hmm. They don't. They found it in one spot on Pinterest that showing up in the feed. But all of the work that goes, you mentioned earlier, that's all the work that goes into an entrepreneur's pain. I mean, time doesn't equal the, the money doesn't equal. Mm-hmm. I work harder mm-hmm. than I worked on my job. <laughs> yeah, I'm working 12, 13 hours. Sometimes I don't go to bed until 3:30 in the morning. Oh, day. But it's a different type of drive. Yeah. And that for the entrepreneur, it's a different type of drive. Yeah. It's not it's not a nine to five. Yeah. People people I'll tell people I get up at four thirty and I'll read for an hour, two hours. And usually people wake up at six. And I, and my man Lester, who's in, who's in the men's group, he gets up at four thirty, he exercises, he meditates. And I said to myself, people ask me that. I'm like, I actually like that. I may not get up every day at four thirty and do it, but when I do do it, when I meditate in the morning, I usually meditate at like 9.30-ish every day. I didn't do it today because obviously I'm here. But when I do it, it feels awesome. And that's the thing that's going to be part of my process every day. And that's part of my passion is getting to that point. Don't you know, see what they think. Well, I got to get up and get on my computer. Gotta, yeah, yeah. Nah. That's a part of me making sure that I can pay for her to get what she needs, what she wants. And so... Uh, with the last two and a half minutes, man, um, your vision for suit yourself for the next ten years. I know you kind of spoke on it last time I was in the shop. Yeah, but my vision. Upon my it, vision is I have a the you know we got so many different types of consumers gotcha. on this earth right now. It's it's virtually impossible for a small boutique specialty shop. So. We're transitioning, so I have like this five-year plan that I've grown, mm-hmm. and now I want to condense. Okay. Because uh, people come in all the time, man, you need to bust the wall down. You need to get a big, I don't want a bigger store. You don't want a Walmart. <laughs> I don't want a bigger store, but they're saying it for their reasons, because they want I said, But I'm scaling down, so for the next five years, we're going to scale down. Mm-hmm. And what has happened to the, the, the new consumer, it's not an age group. The new consumer is a style that I think everybody's going to adapt to, which is casual. People want to be comfortable. Or athleisure. Right. There you go. I love that term. Athleisure. So, people want to wear sneakers with their suits now. Shaq Shaq has proliferated that. Yes. It's so, we've gone from, and we can really, uh, we can give credit to the hip-hop industry. The culture. Not the industry. The culture has shifted the mind of the consumer. To where even the what we would deem as the old guy mm-hmm. want to be comfortable. So my plan is to transition, scale down, mm-hmm. and focus on the everyday guy. Uh, cool. And uh, obviously, suit yourself, Columbia, South Carolina, Two Notch Road. Give an address: one zero two two three Two Notch Road, uh, up in the northeast going towards Sand Hill, uh, right next door to the, the BP. The BP. Uh, right across from the horizon. I got you. Good. Uh, any last tips in 10 seconds? Um, I would just say, you know, for those who want to venture into, into business, mm-hmm. uh, have a plan, stay focused. You mentioned earlier, and I'm learning, uh, meditate throughout the day, clear your mind, mm-hmm. and be focused. I got you. Uh, 
saying? Uh, patience is key, everybody. I know we got 20 seconds, but that's the one thing I wanted to get is that patience is the number one thing, especially because we've been patient with riding a bike. Got up, fell down, got off. That's the same thing with business. But uh, Mentality Podcast, Facebook, Mentality Pod IG. Love you. We out. Thanks. Peace.